Welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Ben Slinger and with me, as always, is Trevor Scott. Yes, sir. So Trevor, I think we're going to jump right in, get onto some ramped up click pitch. Why don't you tell our audience what we're about to do? We're about to, on the count of three, two, one, click, get a random word from a random word generator. Get two words, in fact, an adjective and a noun. We're going to throw them at each other. We're going to come up with a game design. We're going to high-five and and say, wow, we did a great job in coming up with something that quickly. And then we'll throw it away and do it again. Yeah, there will be a little bit of self-congratulation in there, I'm sure, if it turns out well. But uh, there'll also be some self-deprecation if it sucks. So, you know, it all evens out in the end. Yes. So let's do it. Three, two, one, click. Okay, I have fragile debt. And I have disguised want. Okay. So I'm I'm immediately going to someone trying to go incognito to, like, get rid of a debt in some way. Mm -hmm. Is it a debt collector? Oh, you play a debt collector. Yeah. That could be interesting. Yeah. Um so so I'm I'm picturing a debt collector is kind of like the bounty hunter for collecting debts. Like it's not mm-hmm. it's not the typical sort of ring up and be, you know, absolutely horrible to people on the phone. No, no, no I don't think this is like a credit card company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look, let's set this. Let's think of a setting here. Uh, uh rather than a contemporary setting. We could sort of go future, we could go uh, past, we could go... Uh, I mean, those are those are two directions on one continuum. <laughs> we could go fantasy, it could be a fantasy debt collector. Uh, <laughs> I- caveman debt collector. <laughs> I'm, ca- I'm kind of picturing... You owe me rocks! I'm kind of picturing that this is a... Um, I kind of like the idea of going almost an alternate timeline of it, of our own, like contemporary looking, but in a complete, you know, of, okay. Of a, so alternate history, alternate sort of history sort thing. Of. Um, I'm picturing that you, you being the debt collector, you, um, particularly handle like corporate cases. So you're, you're going after like CEOs and that sort of stuff who have borrowed a whole heap of money and then have like, you know, try to hide it okay. away and all this sort of stuff. So is this like the John Wick of debt collectors? Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't go in and kill. He just goes in and, and somehow Mains. like extracts money and <laughs> by via torture and, and yes, maiming and intimidation. Yeah. So I, I think this can actually be a global sort of thing that you work for the World Bank. So I think in in this place... Um, or in this in this world, there is a world bank that actually you know controls okay. all the money, and so this is a sort of a high capitalistic society. Well, I'm where- thinking it's at the end of it's at the end of the capitalist society. It's the the this new world bank has come in and has has bought up all the debts of all the companies in the world. And your your whole okay. thing is to go out and basically redeem all that money, bring it back into the corporate in in into the world bank so that utopia can actually <laughs> so your goal is to basically destroy all the the, ba- the bank's goal the bank's goal is to hoard all the wealth so that they can give to the give to in the, the poor. end rob, rob from the rich to give to the poor get rid of all of it yeah and just destroy it and now there's no money and money's not a thing uh, okay. Do you know this as the like? I guess the that what the the sort of most treasured debt collector or the most effective debt collector on the on the World Bank's payroll, um, or are you just in it for the maiming? I think you start off in it for the maiming, and then you then you're in it for the in it for the for the message behind it. Hmm. You as you sort of work your way up the ranks and find out what's happening, or like get to talk to the bigger yeah. wigs. So I think, um, again, because I've been playing a lot of Hades and that sort of stuff, um, this is a roguelike where you're going into corporate offices. 
a roguelike or more of a um a level based sort of you know because a roguelike to me you need to like the story itself needs to sort of be enough that you like playing it over and I mean Hades does it in a very different way but it's fairly unique in yeah. that um to me it feels more like a longer term thing where you are going through multiple levels in that way and clearing them out essentially well my thing is I think by going through random companies so every like there's always companies that, that have borrowed money like mm. there's billions of of companies in this world effectively so it's okay it's we we can do procedural yeah. though yeah we can do procedural without it being a roguelike though so we could just do yes it essentially creates this like huge network of of companies uh that are connected to each other in different ways and have particular employees yeah um so i think when you first when you first go into a place depending on the um how big this company is depends on you know how many levels you're going through effectively and how much security force that you may have to actually come up against see i was i was thinking of it more less as just a pure kind of beat em up take on tons of enemies i think you're trying to do a more precision strike here uh i'm talking about, for when, more about- for when things go south because it's inevitably in inevitably going to go south and you're going to be yeah, but having some I like robust the- fighting things in which you can throw a CEO into like out of a window <laughs> sort of thing. I think it. I think it needs to be more again precision than that though. I don't think it's you're taking on tons because because that doesn't feel like the right type of thing for this like debt collector who's who's there to intimidate the the person who can give them the money right. So I think the goal is to get to the CEO, but I don't think that's done by just like killing or maiming 30 employees before you get there. I think it's like, Oh uh, no, he's he's very against killing, but he's not against breaking some knees along the way. Yeah. But I think only necessary to get to the boss. Like I'm thinking of this more as a, Almost are stealth that like there might be aspects of stealth in there. There might be aspects of waiting for the boss to go to the toilet and ambushing them in there. Like that, it's a bit more. Again, it's procedural, but you come in, you talk to the receptionist. You're like, "Hey, what's the like? What's the CEO's meeting schedule look like? Um, oh, they're in a meeting right now. Okay, what's the room? They might not tell you. In which case, you might have to like hack into the computer system or you might have to intimidate them, like literally grab the receptionist's hand and break her little finger. Um, <laughs> and throw her out of a window. <laughs> well, no, I don't think you need to go that far. I think like- It's only a one-story building. It's just a window, like- But it, but I think it's a bit more interesting. It's fine. I think it's a bit more interesting if like- you know the company is is generated in such a way that it's like okay, how much loyalty did the, the did these employees have to the CEO? Like like what's the culture of this company? That is this receptionist just going to give it up because she doesn't give a shit? Is she going to give it up if you do break a finger or not? Like is the loyalty literally so high that you know they, they that all the employees have had fucking torture training and you need to find other ways to to like get to the CEO? And then again, like the CEO might have particular things. You might, you might be able to find out that they're particularly afraid of heights or something, mm-hmm. right? So you, you, yeah, you do throw them out the window in that you smash them through the 70th story, but you hold them, you know, hold them over there by their shirt collar until they give you the codes to their, uh, you know, bank accounts mm-hmm. in the Cayman Islands, <laughs> wherever. Yeah. Like, I feel like that sort of... Because I like the idea then of, yeah, these these randomly generated corporations, but seeing then how they connect to other things. Because you then might get leads on... Because, of course, they all... Like, if you search shell companies, computers... Yeah, there's, like, shell companies. It's like, oh, this is actually, you know, real, like, they share a parent company with this other one. And, okay, that gives us an in for that, like, higher level company. And... Oh, also, there's a ton of uh, photos on here from the fucking 
uh, risque CEO retreat that they all went on last year. So now I have some leverage on these three other CEOs from these other But what's the CEO of the World Bank doing there? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Yeah, well, maybe you... like, And again, I think you do then layer in that overall story. So I think, you know, your cut of it you know, is determined on what size of the company you're, you're effectively going for. Um, Mm -hmm. so if you go, if you go for a startup, you, you literally, you know, sort of breaking into some dude's house and (laughs) and sort of just shaking down. Um, well, and, and maybe that's about the progression. Maybe you are starting lower in the ranks where it is more about just, oh, yeah, there's this startup. It's these two, two dudes in a basement. But you can easily just go down there and like break, like tear up their precious Magic the Gathering cards they've been collecting, and they'll give you their money. Yeah, <laughs> because they are, they owe the debt, you know. I mean, I mean, when they came up with the idea to have uh, Podracer dot com, um, you know, all about the Star Wars pod racing uh, thing, then yeah, leaving reviews and ratings for specific pod pod racers. Um... <laughs> I mean, you did say this is an alternate future and it's where they actually spun off episode one into a whole series of movies uh, just around, based around the sport of pod racing. Exactly. So it uh, it made sense. There was a gap in the market there, but they, oh, they borrowed well, a lot of money to do I it. Mean, I mean, John Favreau, when he came up with the idea for the pod racer instead of the Mandalorian, like in this universe, like it just, it blew up. <laughs> you know, just it follows yeah. to Bulba and how he was cheating and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and Baby Yoda is still in it, but uh, there are. But he's, but he's, you know, just that little bit younger. (laughs) He's fifty years old in the series, so he's like fifteen. Man, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Fifty-year-olds can race pod pod races too. Uh, Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like it's almost a bit more of a like an invisible ink or something. Did you ever play that? Clea did Invisible Ink where you play these spies breaking in and you had, it was very systems-based and procedural, but um, you had different skills and stuff that you could deploy and you had to, like, get through and hack into the mainframes uh, with, with before the alarms went off and stuff. Anyway, that's, that's where my mind went with that one. Mm-hmm. Should we click again? Yeah, we should. <laughs> Get another set of words. <laughs> Unimportant bus. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, shock contracting. Shock contracting. Okay. Ooh, ooh. I just, I just had this vision of this like, kind of. If you think of the the TV show Fringe, where you had you know different things happening, you know it's just this unimportant bus, but like okay. it's it's been contracted. Basically, it's it's gradually shrunk, oh. but the people inside it haven't, and you're you're sort of going. I mean, either either investigating what's actually gone on, or yeah, I like that as the, essentially the like starting off point for some mystical. Or, or whatever, like some scientific anomaly that you then are called into to investigate, and it kicks off the chain of of events. Yeah, because I'm picturing like a scientist who's who's working on like a shrinking ray sort of thing, and he hasn't quite mastered the the whole idea of you know compressing the things inside of the of the thing that he's trying to contract as well. <laughs> <laughs> So the, so the outside shell of the of the bus starts to contract, but all the seats and stuff inside don't. So they yeah, they- it's it's something about like the the how how close and how connected each molecule is to another mm-hmm. as to whether it's affected. And so essentially, you know, if they if it's not this, a close enough material or yeah, okay. What what I kind of liked about this though, especially the way you mentioned fringe, was that this could be a bit more of a of a fringe or an X-Files-esque sort of thing where you have a number of investigations yep. 
So this is just the first one. And it, so you don't play the scientist who made this shrink ray, but you like that. That's how it happened. Essentially, it's like someone either, I don't know, stole this guy's um, tech uh, because they're like, oh my God, shrink oh, ray. Fuck like, no, it's this, it's this dude. We know that it's this dude. Like, you think he's done it himself? He's done it himself. He's this like is testing how, it This out. is how he's testing it. Like, he lost all his funding. You know, so he's going out there and he's becoming like a supervillain a la, you know, <laughs> Dr. Horrible okay. or something like that. Dr. Horrible. <laughs> okay, I do like I do like mixing up the sort of like X-Files-esque thing with superhero-ish stuff uh, in that I don't think you play any sort of superheroes, but it's more this... Technology's got to the point that there that people are starting to crop up who are who either you know, can sort of be designated as a supervillain or a superhero. You've got the Batman style or the Iron Man style. Yep. You know, rich rich billionaires yeah. putting together this tech to to help. People. It's one hundred percent all um, scientific stuff. So there's no magic yes. involved. There's no aliens. There's no gamma radiation. No, and I, it's no, all tech based. It's tech. I don't think there's. Yeah, I don't think there's. Nobody's got heat vision. In fact, what I what I loved about have you seen or... the Invisible Man, like the new one that that came out? No, no. That wasn't was a great version of the Invisible Man story because it was all tech based, mm, and okay. how scary it would actually be if someone came came up with this sort of tech and wanted to, you know, fuck with someone basically. Well, and I guess you just need to define where the edges of that tech are as well, because I mean. You can you can extrapolate tech to the nth degree where it becomes yeah, but it's know, not someone indistinguishable from magic essentially. Yeah, but it's not someone you know you know being able to stop a bullet just by standing there and bing off their eye or whatever. Um, yeah, a la Superman Returns, but um, instead you know these are mortal people who just you know yes. they've got Tony Stark level of intelligence. Some of these people, and some are good, and some are bad, and yeah, and you essentially start getting embroiled in the different uh, sides of this thing that that crop up. I think this is like maybe just starting. Like, this isn't a world where there already are superheroes and supervillains. I think like this shrink ray guy is literally the first supervillain, yeah. um, or like the first, yeah, in that way, in that it's like around this grand technology. Uh, okay, and Question. across across the course of the game, things shift, and you do start getting these superheroes who come in, and they're like maybe working with the government or whatever, and you you know don't agree with that or something. So my question, question is: Has this world ever had comic books before? Because I like the idea that they haven't. Mm. So the idea okay. of this supervillain thing is is completely foreign. Or they they do have comic books, but they're not a. Not superhero. No, they're all they're all Archie. They're all like and Garfield. Yeah, or just like crime novels or like crime graphic novels and stuff, or like or 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 like the big like the big popular sort of style of of comic books is like fairy tales or something. I don't know. Um, Something that's not around. I kinda like the idea that you as a either a PI or something like that, you actually have a comic book that was written about you. Okay, okay. Um, And so, you know, someone's almost taunting you to to sort of come out of semi-retirement. All right, so you were... Okay, so this is, I feel, bringing it in a bit more of a noir direction, which I like, actually, because I like the idea... Superhero, noir, and tech, that's just... Well, and just that a lot of the comic books in this world were, like, noir, like, they were, like, PI comics yep. and stuff. And so, yes, you, there is a very popular series based on you and it's well known. Yeah. That was based on your kind of uh, cases as a younger man. Okay. And it was woman. written by your receptionist. So she just, she just listened to all the, um, all the thing. Okay. So all now we've cases. got a Sherlock Holmes esque situation too, which I yeah. like. But I think Shirley Watson. Oh, I, I just like the idea that, you know, <laughs> she, she didn't feel like um, there was much to do as a, as a receptionist for a for a PI. So she wrote these you uh, cases yeah, yeah, yeah. up basically well, and, as as fantastical stories and drew. And drew like I I like yeah I like the idea of her sitting there sketching out these these like super dramatic scenes. 
of what might often be relatively mundane stuff. Yeah. Uh, but now it really is getting into this, like, actually more uh, outrageous kind of cases. Well, I think what could, ha- what could happen is you actually, you know, you've been out of retirement for like a year or two and you, you come... You come back in, you say to her that you need her help because she always knew the right people to call and all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And when you're checking out through some of her drawings and stuff, you actually start seeing, like, some of these things that are happening were, like, in some of her rejected stories. So, Uh, she, she basically, she thought, oh, no one would believe something like this with, you know, science going out of control and... And like, okay, so she didn't just embellish actual stories. She kind of, um, she embellished the truth a little bit, but then she also made up these fantastic. Yeah, but she she never actually published any of them. So I think it's that whole that whole thing that you start going through them and you start seeing that someone's obviously, you know, either either got control of or got got access to this this stuff, mm-hmm. and or it's her, or it's a um, you know. It's a mighty big coincidence for it to, like, be there in her stories. Yeah. Okay, I like this. I like focusing it around comic books a lot. Because, yeah, then essentially, like, she's the only, like, creator of graphic novels who's thought, like, she's the first person to think of superheroes and supervillains, basically. Um, but but I think you definitely have to set the scene first of this is a world where, yeah, the most popular comic books are PI novels and crime novels and- um, or stories and yeah yeah i like that so so are you pulled out of retirement for this because of your fame um i i think you you voluntarily decide to come out of retirement because basically you're you're seeing all these things start cropping up in the news and okay and nothing's happening okay so is it that all right maybe it's this first case of the shrink ray yeah and so there's now been like three times that a vehicle or, a, you know, has collapsed in on itself, killing the people inside. Yep. Um, in a, in a horrible way. Nobody's been able to figure out what's going on. And maybe you are like, you, you know, the, the chief, the lead on the investigation at the actual police, like they're your old, whatever. Like you worked with them back in the day. Yeah, they, they were so like you, you, to, they were you like go to the talk liaison to at the at the station. So back when they were like just a, a lower desk officer or something, or something like that. Yeah, but now they're like chief of police. Um, all right, because then I like that. That's sort of, sort of yeah. That's sort of where you kick off the story. Do they call you in? I think maybe you go in. I think maybe you go in because I, I feel, I'm start, I'm getting the feeling more of just that they don't actually want you there initially. It's more. It's more of that. Oh, like fucking old. You know. Okay. Benny. Okay, you know who doesn't want him in? The current desk sergeant and, and like, the, the current detective on the case. But then when the yeah, chief of police yeah. finds out that you've you've been investigating around, like, he, he actually, you know, he wants to bring you in on this because, yeah. you know, he's always had a good rapport with you. Because I don't, yeah, don't want to ruin that sort of stuff. relationship there. Yeah, that's fine. I think the younger cops, um, yeah, and particularly maybe, the, like you said, the lead on this case... Uh, she doesn't want you on. Like, mm-hmm. she's like, no, who is this? Like, we don't need outside help from private investigators. Like, I don't care how many comic books he was in. <laughs> uh, you know, I, and I think, I think a lot of people, uh, think less of you because of, because of the comic books, because yeah. they, they think of you just as this, like, you know, out there for fame or something, even though you didn't put them out yourself like they don't believe that 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 that's the case (laughs) and so it may be like a bit of a sellout or a bit of a just an embellisher like because they were obviously embellished you know these people have have seen the actual case files that you worked on they know that it didn't go down the same way as in the comics (laughs) uh and so they kind of resent you a bit for that (laughs) especially because there was a whole team working on on these cases (laughs) like it wasn't just you and yeah, and the desk sergeant. Actually, the I desk like sergeant that. Yeah, is, is the other guy who's always talked about in there, and they don't realise that they're talking about the chief of pol- the current chief of police. <laughs> well, and I well, what I kind of like is maybe one of the reasons the current sergeant doesn't like him is because she worked one or two of those cases back in the day and just wasn't even acknowledged. <laughs> uh, 
you know, she, she at least had something to do with them, uh, with some of those later cases and, you know, found it, found information, but of course it was all in the comics. It was all credited to, but to your character, my character and the current chief of police, because they, they, right. they never changed when the desk sergeant got away from, from being a desk sergeant, got into like being something else. They just, um, the comic books never changed the character. No, no. <laughs> they just keep that the same. Kind of like Commissioner Gordon, you know. There's probably about a thousand commissions that have gone through in Batman's time. <laughs> it's just that they kept it Commissioner Gordon because it was just easier. It's just Commissioner Gordon just can't get a break and get a promotion. <laughs> or retire or whatever. All right, I like that. So what what are we thinking from sort of an investigative gameplay perspective? Is this mostly like uh, kind of point and click ish just um, the standard kind of finding like dialogue based going through and finding talking to the right people yeah i, I kind of like the idea of it being a a cross between the the csi games where you've got a you know a location and you've got to find the evidence yeah. and that sort of stuff and um then you've got the typical point and click sort of stuff afterwards i don't think you've got too much of the um investigating the actual evidence after the fact but you know you got to no you got to do a little bit more than what you had to do in say the police quest games to find the evidence like it's it's more around okay where could where could there be some fingerprints where could there be some other other things that yeah uh, well yeah and i think it's more just about okay you you get to a scene you get to investigate a scene it's like i, I mean in, in a point and click fashion it's essentially what are all the things i can click on mm-hmm. um, and look at but that's going to give you some information that you can then uh, like you start to gather information about the scene. It's like, oh, this scorch mark, you know, um, let me send that to my receptionist. She's going to look it up and, and see that it, that it matches whatever the color of a particular scientific experiment that went wrong. Because mm-hmm. does then the rise of this superhero, I feel like maybe it's just one and it is like a Tony Stark-esque, Batman-esque, you know, uh, are they known? Are they out? When they do it, is it literally, oh, fucking, you know, Billy Ritchie Pants is is using all his money to fight crime now. Great. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I kind of see them as, as like a, an Iron Man type of just owning up to the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. Of, yeah, I am Iron Man. And, yeah. you know, yeah, I am Ritchie Pants. Oh my god! We should have got it from the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that because that brings some tension then. Because I think there's something suspicious even about what he's doing. Oh, because he's got a lot of money, and you know he's yeah. It's it's very convenient that he just happened to have this suit ready for. Oh, and I kind of like the idea that he ends up with working versions of some of this tech that's going wrong, like. Three cases in, he's suddenly got a shrink ray that works. <laughs> um, and so maybe he's actually been like funding. commissioning, yeah. funding these different um, people to do this sort of out there unethical science so that he can essentially solve it when necessary, but also have all these tools yeah. for solving other crimes. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, 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 love, I love the corrupt billionaire sort of thing. But- yeah. Because I mean, I mean, really, the fact that he's billionaire—it's a tautology. Well. <laughs> That's a tautology. It's a—it's a truism. Corrupt billionaire. Um, <laughs> but yes, no, I, I like that. And then yes, uh, the the idea of this, you know, unpowered noirish PI solving that, yeah, uh, is cool. How, That's how awesome. many how many I, cases do you reckon he'd be solving in in this entire game? Uh, I mean, it depends on how, if you're doing sort of, if you're thinking a full length game, probably five or six only, I imagine. Because yeah. you'd ramp it up fairly quickly. Like the first two would be, you know, exposition setting and and then like that's probably when the, the superhero would really show up and be starting to do stuff. And then the next couple of cases would be dealing with him as he comes to try and help and starting to make connections so, so the first case, or the the prologue, would be the scene where the bus gets sort of contracted, and you being this crusty 
old PI sort of maybe seen in the crowd, sort of looking at it, uh, looking at the scene and sort of, you mm. know, and then, you know, sort of goes goes in on, on you know, your character. And then it, he starts doing the voiceover thing of saying, it's been years since I've been involved in the case yeah. and, you know. Well, and I think you do it all in a comic book style. Like, I think when you have cutscenes and stuff, they're reminiscent of... Like sort of still, you, you do it in that like two D artwork, but in in sort of with with parallax and three D space, and having you, almost that. So it's um, looking like that a border, and, and yeah, and almost framing it and, and flicking between frames as as things change, uh, and you know, and even maybe to the point of bringing up like the thought bubble with the voiceover or something of yeah, uh, you know. I can feel myself getting sucked back in. I, I just love the idea that he goes he goes back home, opens up his garage, and in there is like just one of those typical noir offices that you expect, you know, in his, <laughs> in his, garage. In his garage. And he just walks over to the, over to the hat stand and picks up his hat and puts yeah. on his trench coat, and you know, yeah, yeah, it's got the desk with the phone on it, like old fashioned phone. <laughs> the fan's still going in the garage. Like <laughs> he moved his whole office into the garage. I just love that. <laughs> and then his wife comes home. She's like, "Ah, I want to put the car away." <laughs> no, she knows well, that it's got- been like this for, <laughs> for the entire time. But she, but she probably still like gets on him about it. <laughs> Can we actually? You've been re- the garage? you've been retired for five years. Can't we like? Actually, use the garage to put our car in it. Like, no, I, I'm back on the case. She was asking these questions for the third time today. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, she—you're talking to yourself again. <laughs> yeah, you, that's how you introduce the wife. It's like she came in, you know, legs up to here, carrying a bag of groceries. She looked like she had a hard day. Oh my god, what are you doing in here again? You've been retired. You're not a private investigator anymore. <laughs> she was asking a lot of unusual questions. <laughs> are you monologuing again? No, I like it. Uh yeah, you know, I don't know you would go that wacky with it because I feel like it works better as a as a serious yeah. thing, but uh that's that's cool. I like it. Let's go one right, more and then we'll do then we'll do a couple of movies. Do a movie? Yeah. So, all right. Three, two, one, and a click. <laughs> I don't think I'll use this. It's too similar to what we would have had in the last one. Crunched person. <laughs> <laughs> and right. it go well with this sloppy gig. Okay. Well, my next one kind of might too. Compulsory honey. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Sloppy gig? Sloppy gig. <laughs> you playing a B band? No, um. I'm, I'm thinking away from from like music sort of stuff, but I'm sort okay. of thinking it a gig being sort of like a a job as such. Yeah, okay. So um whether it's a heist or whether it's something else, but just the idea of of like a honey honey slash sloppy heist or job or or whatever like mm-hmm. that could be quite interesting is this something we could make a bit more mechanics based and bring some nice goopy uh liquid physics in <sighs> like low viscosity uh or high viscosity i mean uh, <laughs> liquid physics as you pour honey around and move it between objects i don't know <laughs> what was your other word again compulsory compulsory yeah, I got. I don't care what else you steal. You gotta steal the honey. I got nothing. Let's, let's click thing. again. All right. <laughs> Unaware ceiling. Diplomatic microwave. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I'll just clarify that my ceiling is with a C, C E I L I N G. Diplomatic microwave. Yeah, I mean that doesn't have to be the the appliance. It could be obviously the form of radiation. Which now, now that 
you know, stuff is actually happening in the world, which with potential like long range microwave radiation into like hotel rooms and all this sort of stuff. Have you heard about that? What are you? No. What are you referring to? Um, there's a whole heap of um, like spies and and um, like diplomats and stuff who have come down with the same sort of sickness, and they they basically they were all in hotel rooms, and all of a sudden started feeling sick and have actually had some major um, issues. What? And is this, a, this is real life. Is this a real thing? This is a real thing. Sounds like you're making it up. No. I'm literally going to Google microwave diplomat and see what comes up. Microwave weapons are prime suspect. Well, this was a couple of years ago. Oh, no, there's one from last month. Yep. Microwave radiation, most plausible cause of diplomats' ailments, report says. Yes. See, this is actually... Cuba and China. Okay. That's bizarre. I had not seen that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, I like the idea of, you know... We can build off that. Um, are you... Are you... Is is this some sort of, like, sniper-esque game where you, from a distance, are... Oh, I don't don't think you'll be using the the thing. I think you are supposed to be the target of one of these... One of these weapons. No, I kind of I like the idea that you're using it. I'm I'm really? kind of liking this like, <laughs> well, because we can't just have every one of our games. I don't know, be some grand narrative thing. We have to have mechanics sometimes. <laughs> um, I'm picturing this as a kind of rear window esque thing, except you're not trying to like solve a crime. It's like you have a target. <laughs> And it's they're in this hotel. This, this diplo- it is a puzzle this, this game, sort diplomat, of thing. Uh, this diplomat is is stopping stopping my money from coming from the Cayman Islands. So therefore, the puzzle is the diplomat is in my way, and the <laughs> and the, the solution no. is I'm going to kill him. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying that you. It's it's kind of like a hide and seek ish sort of thing, and you have to find the right time. And you have to you have to figure out who the diplomat is because you've got some information about them and like they're going to be in a certain place at a certain time or they're going to be wearing a certain thing or they're going to be talking to a certain person, and so you're sort of you're you're from a distance like zooming in and like listening to snippets of conversation or seeing things that are going down. It's kind of like a hitman game except instead of walking amongst everyone, you're viewing them from a distance um, and, and <laughs> peeking in. And then at the right time to prevent like some deal from going down or some talks happening, you know, before a certain time you have to have found them and fucking blasted them with microwaves so that they feel sick and can't do what they're doing or like they pass out or whatever. Um, Okay. So is this kind of like that whole watchdogs thing of you... um being able to like take over cameras and and just follow along with cameras and that sort of stuff, or is it? There could be aspects of that, yeah. Because I, I um, like the idea of them bringing in the idea of lag. So your latency, mm. depending on you know how good is the internet running into this particular building, you know, is the fact that the diplomat has actually walked in. Then you have a look at the latency and you go, oh crap, he may have actually already left because that was that was like you know it's. Three seconds ago, or something. Yeah, yeah. three thousand. Yeah, I like that. That's something like that. <laughs> that's a that's a cool mechanic, and I think you can. You've got like high powered binoculars, but they can only see so far, right? And obviously, can only see from like a particular angle from wherever you're camped out. Uh, and so, yes, you maybe have to map out the interior of the building in a way via. Oh, okay, I can see that there's a camera in that room. All right, use that's another th- basically that's another thing that your microwave thing can do. Like it's if you've got line of sight, then you can communicate with it in some way and perhaps like hack into it and connect to it. But yeah, it might be like the more things you're going through uh or the more, you know, if you don't have line of sight because you've you've seen line of sight to this camera so it's like okay, I've got pretty good view, but like that camera seen another camera and that camera seen another camera. So when you're viewing that third camera, you might actually be like behind. Mm. What I like about this is you then also have to be wary of 
okay, this particular network is unsecured, so this is fine. But if you get, if mm-hmm. you hack into a secured network, there's a potential that you know you'll be caught by their security and kicked out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I kind of like this as a mix between something like Uplink. Uh, is that what it yeah. was? The introversion one. Um, but that's only one aspect of it. Like you can go over onto your computer and, you know, for all the cameras you found, you can like, okay, connect to this one, you know, connected to this computer system. But to actually do your job, you need to be like looking out the window that's next to your computer and, and looking down your scope of your, you know, microwave, powerful rifle. microwave <laughs> rifle. Um, <laughs> And, and yeah, that it's sort of about going back and forth, like discovering, oh, okay, I can see through my rifle that they're over there, um, but I needed to get a better view into that room. So I'm going to try this camera out. And then you move over your computer and you're essentially spending a bit of time of like, okay, what can this camera see? Oh, it sees a computer system there. Maybe I can get into that and find out some information about the schedule. Like it might just be the front desk. And it's like, oh, what room are they staying in? Yeah. And then once you've worked out what room, okay, is his laptop there and is it open and therefore can I like hijack the webcam and Yeah. Yeah. So I like that. And again, from the Hitman point of view of like there are multiple paths through a particular level, uh, multiple ways you can solve it, but but very much from this, you're not yeah, you're not walking among them. You're just doing all this stuff from a distance through the computer systems and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then you can have a number of different levels, obviously, where um, that are all you know handcrafted nicely with all these different things going on uh, and ways to solve it. Yep, I like it. All right, shall we do a movie? Yes. So what we're going to do now is we're going to each get a random movie uh, pulled from an online database, and. Uh, we're going to either just use the title of the movie or the title and the plot synopsis. You know, it may depend on whether we've seen it or not uh, to come up with a game that might either tie into that movie or just be related on the about the ideas. So let's do it. What do you have, Trevor? I have 1996's awesome film. Not that I've seen it. Welcome to the Dollhouse. Oh, what's that one? An unattractive seventh grader struggles to cope with suburban life as the middle child with inattentive parents and bullies at school. Okay. So I think I've heard of it, but anyway. Uh, okay, and I have Won't Back Down from 2012. Uh, I have never heard of this, but it has Maggie Gyllenhaal, Viola Davis, and Holly Hunter, so pretty good cast. Uh, Jamie Fitzpatrick and Nona Alberts are two women from opposite sides of the social and economic track. Guess which one's which. But they have one thing in common, a mission to fix their community's broken school and ensure a bright future for their children. Yeah. I don't think we'll use the synopsis of that. Of either okay. film, I lo- really. <laughs> of either film. I think we do Welcome to the Dollhouse, but just from the title. And because that is evocative. There's a lot of things you could do from a game point of view of something called Welcome to the Dollhouse. Yeah. Um, and no, I don't think that we'll be taking Joss Whedon's Dollhouse as... No. As part of it. I do, as much as I love that TV show, like, it... Yes. Uh, no, I don't think we need to go down the, that route. I'm thinking we maybe do something that's like a literal dollhouse in some way because yeah. then we can do some cool graphical stuff with, like depth of field and, and making it, you know, are you a human who literally does find themselves in a dollhouse? <laughs> Shrunk into uh, a dollhouse. Well, I'm thinking, is it a human that comes across a a house in, in the middle of nowhere? And when he goes in there, okay. it's, it's literally like all the furniture is just too weird. And, and like, there's a mannequin sort of, sitting at the table and all this sort of stuff and just and then the whole side of the house swings open on a yeah. hinge and there's a giant person there you could either go giant person or you can you can like that would be a big twist what a twist well i kind of i kind of like that idea that yeah you come across it but yes it's essentially kind of this weird portal into like this is actually you know it, it, to cross over into a different dimension, essentially, where this house is somebody's dollhouse. Yeah. Um, and it's some sort of, yeah, dimensional rift between them. 
and and you're like, I think this is a story then maybe where you're you meet this child, yeah, and you're communicating with them and maybe helping them in some way, but you are stuck as a doll sized human yeah. when you're so, in the So world. is it is it kind of like a version of the big friendly giant, but in this case it's like the big friendly child? <laughs> and and you sort of you're you're having to almost deal with um helping this this giant child through something that's going on in her life. I think so, yeah. I think you essentially are helping them with some sort of crisis. I do like the idea, though, at points you go back into your world too and maybe you're dealing with your own shit. But that, yes, the the crux of it is is helping this kid with some shit that's going down in their world. Um, okay. So, tell me a little bit more about this character. What what do they do for a job? Um, are they a mail delivery person? Or they did they did this? Did they see this house? Or they got a they got mail addressed to this house that they never had to deliver mail to before? Um, or like a package delivery person that could work. I was almost thinking, you know, is this like a child welfare officer, or is it a is it a you know, it just someone so who's actually skilled in that area, still in that area, or a child psychologist sort of thing. And the reason why they were coming to this house is for for a, you know, to to investigate a um a report from a neighbor or something like that. Maybe though, I feel like I feel like that could work better is if someone in their life is that person. Like, so their job is whatever, whether it's package delivery or something. And then they're either married to or their sister or brother is, you know, someone. Because then they can talk to them about it. And, and like, the, you know, the, the brother is then like, why are you asking about the, all these hypothetical questions that are so specific? Like, is something going on? You need to tell me. And, of course, you can't tell them because they never believe you that it's a giant child that's in the fucking dollhouse that turns into a dollhouse. Uh, but you're trying to help this child sort of through this. Okay. You know, and that's one of your your tools. So when, um, just to just to go into a little bit of mind fuckery then. Um, just a little bit. Yeah. As if um, we went there already. Yeah. When, when, you know, your brother does finally work it out or your sister or whoever work out and she's, they've realized this, this child they work out that this child actually exists in the real world as well. And this portal was just through to, just happens to be to their dollhouse, but you're effectively being shrunk down by entering this house. But it's, it's sort of like- I like that. I like that. But you don't find out that they've found out until you're in the dollhouse and you see them come to the door. Yeah, exactly. In the giant world. And that's when, that's when the penny drops that, you know, you're actually in the real world and you're just- for some reason, you've been, you've been given this. Yeah, look, it's a very like almost a Stephen Kingish thing. Like, there doesn't have to be a reason why this house is connected to this doll. It just is, and it's a way to explore, you know, these relationships and, and create these relationships. Yeah, yeah, I like that. So, what do you think? And not to, I mean, it could be any number of things and it's probably not super important at this point, but like, what do you think this child's going through? Are they, do they have like abusive parents or is it just that they have a single parent who is struggling because they, you know, can't get work or whatever? Yeah, I I think it's, I don't like abusive, like, I don't want, don't don't really want to um, inflict on everyone abuse. Yeah. um, Because that's a little bit too too hard but i'm also wondering do we go down the the way of like neglect which is still in the form of abuse but it's well i wonder like then the child as thinks I was, they're alone and there's no yeah else. well well as i was saying I, I do like that idea of i don't think the parent is meaning to be neglectful or no you're certainly not abusive i think they are struggling to find work or like the jobs that they have to take mean that they have to leave the child alone because uh, they can't afford childcare, and they're and now so, a single parent, and so yes. it's, it's all these all these things that have actually accumulated. So, yeah, I this, think this kid needed a friend. Yeah, and someone yeah. to talk it through and do all this sort of stuff, and then finally, you know, 
you get the help that they need. Yeah, I think yes, you get them the help they need. Well, but I think I think there's some tension there where when your let's just say brother figures it out and finds this person, there's now the threat that the child will be taken from the parent, which is not what you wanted, right? No. Like this is not the best situation for them just to be taken away into foster care. Like that's not the problem. The parent is trying, they just are struggling. And so maybe you're able to sort of then, I don't know. I don't know how you resolve that then necessarily, but yeah, you, you essentially turn it around to somehow help the parent so that they've got the support they need or, or you show up there. It's like in the real world and say like, (laughs) (laughs) this could go really wrong, but like, Hey, I've been talking to your child from their dollhouse. And I know you need help. Like, can Ew. I help you? <laughs> but no, I think I I like that idea then of... And and you, we can play with the genders to try to maybe get less of the problematic stuff where, the, you know, that could be seen really as a problem um, and, and have it explained a bit better. But I think, yeah, I think the resolution of it is you go and like essentially join the family, not necessarily even in a romantic way, but you manage to sort of sort of befriend and help this family who yep. needed your help. Um, so I'm thinking so that we don't have the, so that we definitely don't have a white savior sort of thing, even though we're, we technically are going to have it anyway, because we're too. <laughs> yeah. It's cis white guys. <laughs> It's it's hard with racial stuff for sure. Like, I mean, you can flip it around in different ways. The family who's struggling can be white, and the person who isn't could be otherwise. But I mean, we don't have to specify at this point. No. Um, but yes, I think you would definitely shy away from any sort of stereotypical, you know, minority family struggling, and the white savior comes in and, <laughs> and helps them. Uh but yeah, that, uh, there are definitely sensitive ways to do that, and just make it then into a really nice story. Mm. Uh, it can actually be quite wholesome, uh, I think. Uh, and and just doing it in this very like it does feel very Stephen King ish to me uh, in the way that that's set up and the way that it's mostly about characters and their relationships and yeah, yeah. that's cool. It's, it's kind of almost like a you know. Her needing that friend has has brought the the dollhouse and and sort of created this event or whatever, but in a way it's also with, <laughs> with I'm thinking with the dollhouse like when you first see the house and it's like the, I'm seeing almost a a big two story sort of almost amateur oh yeah sort of house yes I think we're picturing essentially the very classic dollhouse looking two yeah. story yeah so. It's rather fat on the outside, and then when you walk in, it's rather thin, and has like a line running right down the middle. That yeah, sort of doesn't. Look oh, I think right. I think you could really play that. Yeah, when you once you get into this house, it's very obvious that something this not is right. all fake and like yeah, like very just not detailed furniture and and whatever. Okay, do you find it out because you go? You go into the house and you open up one of the cupboards and you you see like a a kettle or something and you turn it over and it's got like the word Mattel on the bottom or something like that <laughs> or Fisher Price and it's yeah. like oh shit what the fuck is this and then yeah and then there's this, this giant child like huge 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 head compared to your and then I think a lot of it is just size head <laughs> I think a lot of it then is just dialogue based like um you you can move around the dollhouse perhaps while you're doing it maybe she picks you up and puts her on her her desk or whatever or her you know with her other toys and you you have a conversation sitting on her bed in amongst her fucking stuffed toys or something (laughs) Um, Um, maybe even have one of those things where like you have to hide in the stuffed toys when her parent comes in and um talks to her about something Especially because you don't want to have to explain why a, you know, why a, you know, three inch man is <laughs> talking to me. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, you get to know Teddy very well. 
as <laughs> as you you sit there and you know next to him under the pillow. Okay, one more three to one movie. All right, let's do another. Ooh, I'm already going to say no to mine, but anyway, I'll say what it is. Sure. 2017's Mother. There's an explanation oh God. at the end. <laughs> that was a fucking messed up movie. Uh, that's the Aronofsky one. Yes, right? it is. <laughs> yeah. F- have you seen it? No. And I know it's- why I wasn't going to see it because I don't like Aronofsky stuff. It's fucked. Anyway, that's fine. I don't think we should do that. Um, I have 1995's Empire Records. Nice. Uh, which I don't fully recall i think i've seen it maybe just like once but really uh, i know i know it's a classic i do know it's a classic i do like the idea I, mean, I don't know again that we need to base it directly on the plot but i do like the idea of a of a game set in a music music shop yeah music store as long as we we sort of get some good licenses for the games yes because it's all about the music license if you can tell a story about like a day in the life of this of this store and you're sort of you're playing Yeah, with the background soundtrack of the nineties, like if you said it in ninety five, um or mid nineties. Yeah. In fact, that- let, let's set it in Australia and instead of Empire Records, you're set in a Brashes store. <laughs> Why does brashes keep coming up in the last few weeks? It's weird. That's like the third time I've said the word brashes after not having said it in like 15 years. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I thought I'd have to say it. <laughs> no, there must have been. Uh, I think if it was anything, I mean, what were the, was there, I think you do it in an independent store. Yeah. So do do you remember, do you want me to go through the, the plot things that happen no, let's During no, let's source. ignore the actual Empire Records plot and let's just come up with our own thing. I can see from here that they were trying to be absorbed by a large chain, yeah. um, which is part of the thing. But we we don't have to do that. I'm also picturing, obviously, like High Fidelity is very much along, like has a lot of scenes in a music shop like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's obviously much more about just the characters involved rather than the shop itself. Do we do this? Are there like shop management aspects around it or is it just about like- I think it's just about like the day in the life of these of these people. Uh, the manager is off doing his own thing. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're just- um, You can actually sort of flick between each, each person. I think each person has Ooh, got a okay. certain thing that they're doing for the day. If you remember the, um, the old adventure game, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like five or six different characters that you played through, and then when you finally finished them all, then you know you sort of saw stuff that happened. Okay, I never, I don't think I ever played through the whole game, but yeah, but, that's fine. So, does that are you playing essentially the whole day for each person then, or is it more like once you solve Jennifer's you know first problem, then the day kind of moves on, and now it's midday, and um, I think. There, it, there are some crossovers, a la your your typical sort of pop fictiony sort of thing. Like mm-hmm. you see some things that happen, and you go, "Oh, I wonder what's happening there." You know, why did why did this person run out of the run out of the um, you know, the back room crying and all this sort of stuff? And then when you get to play her later on, you see why she ran out of there crying. Okay, and- so in that situation, I think you'd essentially you'd need to play them in order. Like you do this person's day and then this person's day and then this person's day. Uh, Or at least like, or you break it into sections and you do like the morning for each of them and then you do the, you know, whatever, lunch break for each of them or something. Um, But I do like that. I like that kind of multifaceted storytelling in a, I guess, sort of like a point and clicky adventure game. I mean, what are you, are you picturing a... Nicely 3D rendered, you know, full store that you can walk around in third person or something. Um, or are you thinking a side, you know, t- nicely 2D animated uh, um, and drawn store? I, d- I still need to find a, a way of doing like a point and click adventure game in a fully 
3D environment. I mean, I think I think people have done it in that it doesn't feel necessarily. You wouldn't even necessarily describe it as point and click, but the mechanics are there. Of you can just walk around like a, even like a Last of Us or something, right? Like you, where you're just yeah, you're controlling the person in 3D, and there are a lot of scenes in Last of Us where you know you're just exploring an area. Because I think, or, or or even say Grim Fandango, right? Like I think um, Gabriel Knight Three had it like an interesting idea in the fact that you were basically. You still you were, were the playing, camera, essentially. You were the camera, and you were just yeah. going around everywhere. So you could actually see things that your character nece- necessarily couldn't see. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it wasn't... I, I don't think anyone's got the 3D point-and-click formula down yeah, yet. Yeah, that, that was a little bit janky. Uh, a little bit Jane, Jane janky. Jane, isn't that who? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I think, though, just the general thing of, you know, somewhat third-person 3D, uh, you've got an inventory, you can talk to people and do dialogue puzzles, right? Yeah. Like, and you can apply your inventory things, you can look at things um, and talk to people. I, I like the idea that one of, one, of the, one, of the, one of the things for one of the uh, characters is someone's rung up for, like, a really rare record or something mm. like that, that you see is in stock according to the... Um, according to the system, but now you've got to, you've got to go around and try and find out where it's actually been. Well, and then I like the idea that maybe one of the other people realizes that like you pull it out and then someone else comes over. They're like, Whoa, what the hell? What do you mean? We have, you know, this, this particular record. Um, no, I definitely, you can't sell this. Like I need it. And then there's a story thing there about having to sort that out. Um, and then I think you definitely bring in, like, between at least some of the characters, like, there's a love triangle or something, like, there's romance, you know, romantic sort of stuff yeah. happening. Yeah. I like that. I, I like that doing essentially a, yeah, that sort of multi-view, multifaceted um, story, but in an adventure game like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I look at, I look at Day of the Tentacle, I look at, uh, Maniac Mansion having the th- or even Zach McCracken I think that actually did almost the three characters or the four characters in that game um, some of the best that that's a bit different um, in that you can swap at any time but you can swap at any time and some of the puzzles require that yeah. but yes I think you, we'd sort of definitely be taking that lead in a way but then doing it in a more narrative fashion of mm-hmm. um, and look there might be times that you can switch between characters if they're you know if their stories have crossed. And it's if not until the stories have crossed that you can actually yeah, click into the uh, other person. And so there might be things that you can solve in any order, um, but it's like, yeah, after that initial moment where you found the record and then uh, Johnny comes over and is like, no, I need this. It's like, okay, now you can either play as Johnny trying to figure out how to get it or you can play as Sarah trying to figure out, you know, how to stop him getting it. And I think there's only one solution to it, but you can- you can go th- like they they each have their own story beats that then meet up and mm-hmm. you can do it in any order. Um, yeah, that's cool. I think like having what like four or five characters, four or five characters that are, some who very different. I think, and-, and I think like especially if you split it up into like you know morning, midday, evening or something. They wouldn't all have like huge stories in each one. You you could split it up like, you know, some of them might only have some smaller bits in the first in the morning, but you tell more of their stuff. And, and later. maybe then you have like after you complete everything for the morning, you play as the manager, and then right, yeah, some little interstitial bits. Yeah, yeah, that could be cool. And then or you just have you just have like a, a phone call or something as the manager where you're calling up and you're hearing them all like trying to talk over each other in the background and explain, no, I didn't mean to break that or whatever. No, hey, don't tell them <laughs> like you can have this sort of, it's almost a bit of a, a recap and a humorous sort of thing of this manager's out at, maybe he's at a conference or something or he's at a something <laughs> where, and he's just checking in on his store and it's like, oh, f- what the fuck is going on back there? <laughs> I can't believe I trusted them to run my store. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm probably going to have to give Empire Records another watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got it on DVD. 
So, of course you do. Um, it's only in yeah. Region One, unfortunately. So I need to find a, find an old DVD. Uh, I have to see if it's streaming anywhere. It probably isn't. They yeah, anyways, are. they really never are. I think I feel like particularly that like time. You don't, it's just, there's a good chunk of like 80s and 90s movies that you just can't stream anyway. All right. I think we are going to end it there. So thank you for joining us this week on Bitstorm. If you want to find the rest of our episodes online, leave us some reviews, give us some feedback, go to podchaser.com slash podchaser, not podracer. Yeah, no, not podracer.com. That's something very different. Uh, podchaser.com slash bitstorm. Definitely go and check that out. Also, we'd like to thank the wonderful musicians over at Kuradust for the use of the song Matt to find of the album Containment Failure. That's right. So thank you again for joining us this week on Pitstorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Travis Scott. End of episode.